So Cardi B. Okay. Add Cardi B to the list. And Cardi B's hard. No, it's not hard. I know where I stand yeah, on Cardi but B. But I'm hard when I think about her. <laughs> <laughs> Make that the cold open. Are the mics still on? Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's State of the Revolution, the Michigan Progressive Podcast. I'm Benjamin Klon. Um, my co-host today is Ali Gonzalez. And today on the program, we're being joined by Brandon Betts, who is a candidate to uh, candidate for Lansing City Council. He's running to represent Lansing's first ward. Really excited to have him here with us today. Welcome to the show, Brandon. Thank you. I'm really excited to be on. Awesome. Well, I guess uh, the, the first thing that we want to do here is just... Uh, Give us a little bit about your background, where you come from, and what you're about. Yeah, absolutely. I am a progressive uh, politically. I've been involved in the progressive movement for a pretty long time now. I uh, am an economist by trade, so I studied economics in college and all that fun stuff. And I studied public economics, which studies like tax policy and public policy and things like that. So I'm a big nerd. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I have been living in Lansing for a couple of years now. I... I've set down roots here. I love it. Um, Melina and I live on the, Melina is my partner. We live on the east side on Horton Street. Um, we've, you know, I, I, I'm i running because I want to see progressive change in Lansing. I think there's a lot that we can do here. Sure. That's awesome. Um, I guess uh, among the first of my questions is, you know, your your main opponent in the primary election is a two-term incumbent. Who was uh, who? Who is from Lansing? So, uh, I guess a, a question that a lot of people are going to be asking of you is, uh, what makes you better suited to serve on the city council? I would say that um, I bring new ideas, I bring innovative ideas. Uh, coming from a public policy background and thinking about city issues a lot gives gives me this leg up in that I'm coming from this economics background. So I understand how uh, people interact with the world and how people interact with public policy. And I think that what I'm going to bring to the table is these new progressive ideas that um, my opponent doesn't have right now. She's very focused on, um, you know, making the city a suburb and making sure that trash pickup is happening at the right times and stuff like that. Whereas I want to be focusing on clean energy and incentivizing small and cooperative businesses, growing the east side, uh, getting young people to move into Lansing to develop this city in a way that um, helps everybody, helps the workers of this community, helps low-income people, helps the middle class, and really makes this city something great. And I think that that is what differentiates me. It's not about how long I've lived here. It's about if I have good ideas. And I think that I do. Okay. You know, uh, you, you make a point about wanting to bring young people into, into the city of Lansing. And uh, one of the things that I'm wondering is, you know, Lansing is a very economically and racially diverse place. But the average age of voters who participate in our municipal elections, uh, I think, is about 66. So in order to take on an entrenched incumbent like Jody Washington, uh, you're going to need support from younger people. So do you have any kind of plan for engaging them and getting them to participate in this low level of an election? Absolutely. So the first thing I want to say is that knocking doors, I've noticed something, and there are a lot of young people here, more young people than we think that there are. And there are also a lot of renters here. So it's about 50% rentals in Lansing, which is pretty high. I heard this from some official couple weeks ago. So we've got a lot of young people. We've got a lot of renters and the young people look like us. You know, they're, they're, they look progressive. They speak like progressives. They are very progressive people. They just haven't been involved in these issues before. And so one thing that I, so there's two things that I want to do. First, I want to be knocking those doors and make sure that I'm talking to those people because obviously, um, because older people are, are, more 
likely to vote. Those are the first people that candidates engage with. I feel like I, I need to be engaging with younger voters as well, because there are a lot of younger voters. And, and uh, my campaign manager is working on a list right now for me, uh, a knocking list that will include those younger voters. I also think that because I'm younger, I, I'll attract more of these people to my uh, events and things like that, because I have this young energy about me that I want people to to you know grow with i want to be part of a movement of people and second um there are a lot of young people who are just moving from msu and moving from other places that may not be registered to vote in lansing and i found that a lot knocking doors and trying to get uh, my petition signatures a lot of these people are not yet registered to vote because they moved here in the last year or they're um or they just haven't even thought about switching their voter registration to the city and i want to and so one thing that i'm going to do is make sure that uh, we have these voter drives, these drives to get people signed up and excited to vote in these elections, because I think that starting the movement today is really important, because next year we have a presidential election, and this may yeah. just be a city election, but we get people excited now, we get people knocking doors now, we get people thinking about politics now. When the when the national election comes up next year, those people are going to be even more engaged, and so I want yeah. to engage these people. People. You have to make elections, voting in elections, you have to make it a habit. And I think that there's a lot of young people who maybe their parents don't vote um, in these city elections, these like off-season sort of elections. They only vote like every four years. So I think that if you can do that, that would be, you know, just a really great thing because I think a lot of people don't even know about those elections until, you know, maybe their kids are home one day and they're like, oh, why, why, are, why aren't you at school? Oh, it's election day where they're using Fairview, you know, something mm -hmm. like that. Um, but I think that it's great that you, the second thing that you brought up was actually getting these people who are coming from these transplants from Michigan State University, transplants who are coming from wherever who are settling here to go to LCC or wherever. My fiance, we've been living in Lansing on the east side um, for the last three years now. And he was also still under a 48823 zip code when he moved here. And it wasn't until recently, because he was, you know, thinking to himself, like, I'll just keep voting for any Lansing, and I'll just keep doing that, even though he's, he's living and working in Lansing. So it's, it's, it is really important. Like, it's so simple to do it. If we can go to those people and get them to do that, that's going to be so important, especially on the east side where you're seeing lots of these MSU kids settle. Yeah, I know a lot of 26, 27, 28, 35-year-olds who say, I'm still registered at my parents' house because yeah. I went to college, I started my first job, yeah, I changed my car registration, I got my new driver's license, but I never took that step to register to vote. Yeah. And my goodness, we need those people to be registered to vote, and I think that part of my challenge this year is getting people excited about progressive politics at a city level because a lot of people don't think about cities as these like progressive places for change but it really is and it's the it's the place where you can affect the most change mm -hmm. is right where you live like right outside of your door yeah i mean uh, a top win number a top win number for me on this election is like 2500 people if everybody turned out to vote just think about what that means that means that you are one of 2500 people who is voting and and getting people elected that's pretty impressive and that's really important because city politics really does matter we own the board of water and light why aren't we you know doing clean energy energy initiatives? Why aren't we planting more trees in our parks? Why aren't we incentivizing small businesses to come come into onto the east side? Why aren't we doing all these things? It's because we aren't engaging these people in these city elections, and that's something that I really want to try to do. Yeah, absolutely. One really exciting uh, development that I don't know if you, if you guys have uh, seen this yet or not, um, the, the city of Chicago has been having their local elections uh, this over like the last uh, few months and socialists have been doing really fucking well hmm. it's bizarre like like it's actually really cool like um, I think they had like five socialist candidates running for their like their city council or whatever their their version of it is called um, one of them won their seat outright and another another three or four um, uh, qualified for the runoff election Wow. So we actually we could see up to like 
four or five socialists win seats on Chicago City Council. Which is really hopeful in the Midwest. You know, it's things, yeah. which, it's, it's things you expect to be like, oh, yeah, that shit happened in Portland. Like, yeah, I fucking uh, get it. Yeah. But, yeah, the, to hear that things like that happen uh, in the Midwest is always so hopeful. Yeah. You know, um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, Brandon, is, uh, you know, there there's a very there's a very significant uptick in excitement and popularity amongst uh, socialism and socialist candidates or, you know, democratic socialists is probably the most popular popular identifier that's being that's being used now. Uh, Would you identify yourself as a democratic socialist? So the way that I'd answer that is, do, do you think that I care about workers' rights? I do. I care about workers' rights. I care about strong unions. I care about the environment. I care about renters' rights. I care that uh, I care about uh, low-income people and people who are in the lower middle class who need that extra boost. I care about, uh, you know, making income i care about income equality i care about all these things so yes i would say i am a democratic socialist absolutely that's rad yeah i like that i like to hear it and i'm i'm not afraid to i'm not afraid to say that either i think that i i truly am a progressive and when people ask me at the doors are you a democrat i say no i'm a progressive and when people ask what that means i i go through that exact list i say i care about the working people i care about strong unions i care about these things because i mean of course they're important it, it's out of the question those things are important and i want to make sure that instead of giving the you know, instead of giving all these breaks to developers, uh, in, in terms of this, I guess what I want to say is in terms of city politics, what does progressivism look like? And to me, what it means is instead of giving developers and developers all of these tax breaks and instead of giving the wealthy the world that they want to live in, the suburb where their trash is taken out at the right times, where all of this happens, it's about connecting people it's about connecting workers it's about making our parks strong it's about making our it's about making an environmentally sustainable city it's about all of these things that i really identify with so I, again when i was talking about getting people excited about city politics and young people excited about city politics these are the kinds of messages that i want them to hear i want all of us to go out and when we see somebody say hey are you voting in the city election? Do you know who's running? No? Well, let me tell you why city elections are important. And it's about all these progressive issues. Because, yeah, we have Bernie Sanders pushing a progressive issue, pu- pushing progressive issues nationally, right? We have our AOCs of the world. We have our Rashida Tlaibs of the world up in federal politics. But we can be making change, even us lower-level organizers who aren't really working for national campaigns right now, who are, you know— just local chapters of socialist groups and stuff like that. The way that we can make change is by talking about these issues. And I will tell you what, people at the doors are really excited about these issues. They really care. The Democratic Socialists of Lansing uh, have been knocking doors over the last couple months asking, you know, people, what do you think about all of these progressive policies that more nationally, but they most everybody has been completely on board. They're not worried about these things. They're not worried about you being called a socialist. They're not worried about those things. What, what they're worried about is that we're making sure that we're enacting progressive policies. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, I guess my next question would be, what do you, I mean, you've kind of touched on these uh, throughout the answers that you've given so far, but what do you see are, what do you see as the biggest issues facing the city of Lansing and the people who live here? I think that environmental sustainability is really important. Um, I think that that may be tangential in people's minds, but I really do believe that our climate is dying and our world is going to be exposed to some really serious shit. And so I think that at a city level, we need to be focusing on environmental change and or not environmental change, environmental sustain- sustainability, taking control of the board of water and light more than we do now, making sure that we're electing people to those positions that 
um, that believe in environmental sustainability, that believe in clean energy, uh, people really want to see their parks more accessible and more connected. So people want to see more benches, more trees, things like that, that people are finding really important. Also, I think that incentivizing small and cooperative businesses on the east side is really important too. The east side, Old Town, all of these areas, we need businesses here and we need sustainable businesses here, which means that we need local people owning those businesses. I don't want to see a Starbucks opened up where Strange Matter is right now. Right. I don't think any of us want to see that. I think mm -hmm. what we want to see is Strange Matter or something like it. And all of these businesses, I think that the east side is doing a really good job of this. And I think that Old Town is also doing a really good job of this. I think that we have a lot of really local business here. But I want to see that grow even more because we have... Uh, at least along Michigan, Ave Michigan Avenue, a whole bunch of closed businesses down there, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And if we're if we incentivize small businesses to open up, uh, be it bars, restaurants, um, even like a skateboard shop would be cool. I mean, we have the bike co-op; that's a pretty cool spot. And you we know? have the skate shop just right down on Michigan Avenue, yeah, and exactly. it's, it's incredibly popular. Yeah, I mean, ye uh, yesterday and today, both there were just swarms of like you know young kids like skipping school and to, to hit the skate park and it's it's really that is a really big part of Lansing too I think that everyone went to school with like a, a group of kids in Lansing that were really into like skateboard culture and I think mm -hmm. that, that would actually do really good on Michigan Avenue just you know a place that could sell boards merch DGK sort of elements sort of things trucks wheels something as simple as that would do really good. Something eclectic, because Lansing has a lot of bars. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't open more bars. Open more bars, people of Lansing. <laughs> I will go to them. Bars. I will go to all of them. Um, <laughs> but I also want to see businesses that are going to open up not only locally and not only by local people, but that are going to hire local people. Yep. Um, I'm, I don't like going into shops and thinking all of these people live in dorms in 48823 or who, you know, are going to MSU and that's where they're that's where they're living. I'd like to see more people who I went to school with um, getting jobs in these like kind of ritzy businesses. And you see that you do see that at Soup Spoon. You do see that a little bit at Strange Matter. I'd like to see that more. Yep, I agree. I am absolutely in love with the idea of uh, seeing many more cooperatively owned businesses uh, open up here in the city of Lansing. Uh, so, and you talk about, um, wanting to incentivize, uh, more of these types of businesses being started. Uh, what, what, what kind of incentives could we create to make that happen? That's actually a really good question and something that I've been thinking about a lot because what, what Lansing has right now is not a lot of money to play with, right? right. We're, we're paying a whole bunch of money towards our pension debt. We've got a whole bunch of money for public services. So, and we've got to fix our roads. We've got to do all of this. But I think that what we can do is we can allocate some funds to businesses that want to start up. So the city of Trenton, New Jersey, is about 20 years down the road in the negative direction that Lansing could go if we don't start really focusing on Lansing. Mm -hmm. And what they have just started to do is taking advantage of state and local incentives for people to open up shops and all of that. So uh, if you open up a business on the east side, or if you open up a cooperative business on the east side, let's say you do that, that's worker-owned, we can make sure that you don't pay profit property taxes on, on, on the land. You don't have to as the tenant, right? Or um, things like waiving the income tax for your workers who work at these cooperative businesses or things like that. I mean, there, I think that there are a lot of innovative solutions that we can think of as, as a community that I'm not just going to be able to spout out right here, right? So I think that that's something that we need to have an ongoing conversation about because I think that there is a lot that we can do. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah, your uh, your campaign seems to have uh, you know a pretty heavy focus uh, or emphasis on environmental sustainability and stewardship. What does that look like to you? Like, what what could the city of Lansing be doing better with regards to the environment? So, I in terms of environmental sustainability, I think about this in in three different ways. the The first one is clean energy. The second one is um, trees 
because people really like trees. And then the third thing that I think about is is how we keep our rivers clean, because I think that that's yeah. really important. We have the river trail. That's a big asset to us. We've got the Red Cedar. We've got the Grand River. And people really want to utilize those things. But if they're dirty, if they're muddy, if they have a whole bunch of runoff from you know, wherever, friend or um, all of that, then people don't want to use use our natural assets that we have here. So um, in terms of clean energy, um, I can guarantee you right now that if the mayor puts up somebody, appoints somebody to the Board of Water and Light who isn't going to fight for clean energy, I will say no to that person because we own our public utility. We the people own this public utility and we the people want to see clean energy. We want to see renewable energy. Yeah. And right now, building more plants, whether or not they say that that is the only solution is not the only solution. Another thing that I think that we can do is put together a board that is a team of researchers outside of the Board of Water and Light Board from like MSU environmental groups and stuff like that, where these professors come in and say, despite the cost, no matter what it is, here's the things that we can do. BWL, start focusing on the cost yeah. and, and start working on it that way. Because right now what happens is BWL hires a researcher and those researchers think, what is the best way to get Board of Water or what is the most positive thing for Board of Water and Light, exactly. not what's the most important for our city. And so I think that that's what we need to do there. In terms of our parks and all of that, we need to make sure that our parks are clean, that our parks are safe, um, and that I honestly, I think that we need to have a lot more trees in our parks. That's something that I personally find important because this city, believe it or not, used to be the city of trees. Mm. 50 years ago, 60 years ago, that's what Lansing was known of known as. I mean, why don't we have more trees around here? We've been cutting them down. Board of Water and Light cuts them down all the time. And yeah. why not have like 100,000 more trees in Lansing? Why not? Uh, one thing that I plan on doing during this campaign is kind of pushing that a little bit and seeing if I can, you know, incentivize people, incentivize people to, you know, put plant more trees and things like that that are good for our environment. And then keeping our rivers clean and things like that, um, I, there's a – Paul Brogan owns um, – I forgot the name of his organization, but he goes out with kayaks and picks up uh, trash and stuff along the river. And he also sponsors, he has a whole bunch of cleanup equipment and things like that to just go pick up parks and clean up parks. And he partners with different neighborhood organizations. I want to see things like that flourish in the yeah, city. Absolutely. The closest park to where I live, um, is actually right in between Eastern high school and my apartment. Um, and it is, my daughter loves the park. It's a good park. It's very bleak. Um, it's right in between two um, different Neogen businesses, which were um, basically just old schools that are now being ran by this business. Um, so there's a lot of foot traffic. So it feels safe when you're there. You know, sometimes you go and there's like high school kids, you know, like smoking pot or something, but it's never, it never feels unsafe. The park has a threatening aura about it. And I don't know how else to describe it other than that. There are um, there are some trees. It's got bad vibes. Yeah, you can just tell that people are doing drugs there at night. Which park are you talking about? Um, Oak Park. Oak Park. Okay. Um, it was it was a hot spot when Pokemon Go was really when really popular. It was a Pokestop. Um, so there you we used to go there all the time, and there'd be tons of kids and families that would play there. And now you know it's basically just me, my kid, and you know the people from NeoGen who go walking on there their lunch breaks. Yeah. And I remember sitting in the park and just thinking like, if we could just renovate this park in the smallest ways, if people would pick up trash here, if people were to even renovate the playground equipment, plant flowers there so that it actually looks like a welcoming spot for kids to play in and not just, you know, this thing that people walk by all day, I would be way more comfortable taking my daughter there and not feel pressured to have to take my daughter to the county park, like Hawk Island, or have to take my daughter to, um, East Lansing to take her to Patriarch because it's, there's more children and families there and it feels safer there. Mm -hmm. One uh, park issue that a lot of people don't really think about is what, what Lansing does when a park 
dies. And what they do is they, it's called um, overgrowing or something like that. I don't know the exact term. I'm sure that somebody will be mad at me for not knowing what it is. <laughs> but basically what they do is they stop mowing the grass. And what does that do? It grows a foot of grass, and the only people who are going to hang out at those parks are probably drug dealers, right? Right. So, I mean, there are other solutions. Like, instead of not, instead of mo not mowing the grass, why not plant a few trees in there and just, you know put some stones down so that people can walk along these trails. Like, I'm fine with a little bit of grass growing on the sides, but make it so these parks are still accessible and uh, things like that. I Yeah, or just make more green spaces. Yep. I know my mom complains about that all the time, that there's just not enough green spaces. There's so many, you know, um, parking lots. There's a lot of cement in Lansing. And I think we we do take it for granted how green our city is like when you come if you go to like chicago to vacation and you come home and you have like a newfound appreciation for green in the city but really when you come to think about it like like you said that you have so many overgrown parks that have that threatening aura um where you go there and you're like uh if i walk through there there's a possibility i'm going to step on a syringe um or i'm going to be attacked by possums um <laughs> i think that if we were to utilize these green spaces um and make them actual real green spaces like fenner has um or even scott's woods before i think that they also did some cutting down there what they did what bancroft park was before they also demolished um that park to make the the driveway near Bancroft. Um, the Angel Hill isn't there anymore, which is where all the North Siders went uh, in the winter to to sled. If we had more of those spots where kids could go to have fun, to walk, have picnics, I would love to see that. And it's truly like it's just a beautifying project almost. Yep. Just make the city beautiful and make it make it able so that kids can kind of have that pride when they're growing up in their city and how it looks. So I think that one thing that's going to make our parks better is more people using our parks because there's, there's kind of this, you know, how people talk about economic development, like you start developing the city and then people will start coming to the city. I think that the same thing is true in terms of parkland. If we start utilizing our parks more, people are going to be more invested in our parks and then we're going to have better parks. Right. So, right. so what gets people interested in those parks and I have a very particular vision for Lansing. I think what we need to do is we need to create connectivity from our from our business centers to our neighborhoods and to our parks. So what we need to do is we need to make sure that our sidewalks between business centers and parks are you know nice that people that they're accessible that people can skateboard they can ride their bikes they can walk and not push worry their about kids tripping on push their kids on strollers to these parks that then have benches have water fountains have lots of trees in them again um and then make it so if you live in the neighborhood, you want to walk to those parks. There's a beautiful path to those parks or else, I mean, I, I think of an example where, I, I don't know, there's there's a couple parks in Lansing. For example, I really, really love Hunter Park. I think that yeah. it is fantastic, but it is really hard for most of the east side to get to Hunter Park. It's in a back corner somewhere. So what what would make it so that people get there easier? I, th I, I would love to hear ideas about that. That's just something that I've been thinking about lately. Yeah. Neat. Yeah, um, you know, you had talked a little bit about uh, development, and I, I wanted to know what what is your vision for how we grow and develop Lansing in a sustainable way that doesn't price out the people who already live here and holds developers responsible and accountable for the promises that they make to the residents of Lansing? That is an excellent question. So I think that that's two separate questions, so I'll address them both sure. in kind. Remind me about the second half with the developers. Okay. So I'll talk about um, sustainable growth in this city. So Lansing has a few really awesome things about it. One of which is it's affordable. Why do you think that half the houses are rentals now? Why do you think people are living here? They're living here in cheap rentals because they can, because it's cheap here. People from MSU graduate and they need somewhere to live when they're working at the state, when they're working at the GM factories, when they're working anywhere in this neighborhood anywhere in this metropolitan area from Lansing all the way to Okemos, right? And I want them to live here, and I want them to live here because it's affordable. 
And so I think that that is really important. I think that making sure that the rents that we're charging people are, you're able to live here and you're able to live here com comfortably. I also want people to buy homes around here. Yeah. And so the question is, how do we attract people? And I think that everything that I've listed so far would attract people. So incentivizing these businesses to uh, making sure that their city is environmentally sustainable, to making sure that our parks are nice and safe and clean. Um, all of these things just kind of get people involved and engaged in the city and make people want to move here. I think that if I think that we can be the face of progressive change, I think that we have some people running this time around in council and that and I think that I could have some allies on council as well who could make some serious progressive change in the city. And that's what we need. We need. We need a city that is for everybody and not just for the developers and not just for the wealthiest people of this city. Um, now, and I think that if we do that, that'll create interest in the city and make people want to move here. Um, now, in terms of developers and holding developers accountable, there's a few things that I've thought about. Uh, over the past couple months and over a couple years of working in the city and seeing what developers do and how they operate. One thing is with, um, so you guys know how um, brownfield agreements work? Not necessarily. No, okay, no, so no. I'm gonna I'm gonna okay, give you the... of course I do, but you know for people uh, who, <laughs> who are listening who might not know what that is. Okay, so a brownfield <laughs> agreement basically makes it so any value that you add to your property isn't taxed because you're you're so for example if i re if i clean up um an old gas station and put a building on top of that i can get i won't have to pay property taxes for 30 years on that developed land because i cleaned up the environment a little bit right other states don't have this all or nothing attitude about brownfield agreements. A lot of states, what they do is they say, for the first 10 years, you pay 20% of your property taxes. For the second 10 years, you pay 40% of your property taxes or 60%. And for the last 10 years of the 30-year brownfield agreement, you pay 80% of your property taxes. So now we have some property tax money coming in. We're still incentivizing developers to come here and build stuff, but we're asking them to give us a little bit in return. Right. I think that what people need to realize is despite what Pat Gillespie says and despite what Scott Gillespie says, they are here for profit. Yeah. And yes, that means that they want this city to look nice because if they have the city to look, if the city looks nice, they're going to have people come in here and people move into their $1,000, $2,000 a month apartments, which is fine with me. We're getting people in here, right? But we need to make sure that we hold them accountable to making the city look nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do we do that? When they say that they're going to do something, we make sure that they do it. We sign in our agreements with them and with the city saying, you said that you're going to, um, you're going to build this park. When you do this, you're going to build this park. We're going to expect you to build it exactly how you said you're going to do it. We're going to tell you that you can't paint your uh, building multicolors because people aren't actually attracted to that in the city. Right? <laughs> Another thing that I've been really thinking about with developers is associated with the red cedar development. Um, one thing that, that I'm glad that council stepped in on after a while, but they were originally not even thinking about was hiring local labor. So what we need to do is we need to sign in our development agreements with these developers that they hire local labor and that they use local construction labor and that they use local union labor to build Absolutely. their developments. Yeah. And I think that that's something that we can do. Now, with the Red Cedar Project, it's a little bit awkward because apparently there wasn't enough labor in Lansing to be able to hire, but we could have said you hire everybody from Lansing that you can first, and then you can go out somewhere else. So when we're hiring local people to do this work, right? Every single infrastructure project that we do, every single road project that we do, every single building that we make, every single thing that we do in this city, we should be hiring local labor. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, those are things that I think that we can do to hold developers accountable. And I think that it's important that we do because, again, developers are out for profit. 
And yes, that does mean that they care about our city to a certain extent, but they don't care about the city as much as you and I, the residents of the city, care about. Yeah. And so we need to make sure that we and our city council are pushing them to do as much as they can with the money that they are that they are going to be bringing into this city to make this city better. Is that investing in businesses? Is that creating a, a trust fund for for business to invest in small businesses? Is it you know? I mean, there's a lot of things that we could be doing there, and I think that one thing that we need to really be doing is changing our focus. That's a message that I want to tell everybody is I'm, I'm not running this campaign because Lansing is necessarily a terrible place. I love Lansing. I'm living here for a reason. I haven't left here for a reason. I could have got a job in DC. I could have got a job in Portland. I could have got a job in Seattle. I could have got a job anywhere, but why am I still in Lansing? I've had two jobs here. Why didn't I move somewhere else and work for a consulting firm? It's because I love it here and I love the potential that we can have here. But to utilize that potential, we need to have progressive people in office. Yeah. Or else we are going to falter and we are going to fall. We are... Uh, Lansing has seen a lot of growth in the last 10 to 12 years, but that's because everywhere has seen growth in the last 10 or 12 right. years. The recession is done with. What's going to happen during the next recession? Does our current city council know how to address recessions? Probably a little bit, but they're not economists. I don't expect them to know what recessions do to people, right? Whereas I'm coming in with this perspective of being an economist, having studied recessions, and we are a product of recessions, right. too. Mm -hmm. We millennials know exactly what it's like to live through 2008 and 2009. We saw that. We became to came to age then we know what we need and we know what people need and what people want when they move to a city and i think that i want to i want to help be a part of that movement and bring that vision to lansing absolutely yeah one of the things that you had mentioned is that like lansing is like what do you would you say like 50 percent rental that's what i heard from somebody recently sure. so so you know, I think I believe nearly everyone, if not everyone, on the Lansing City Council is a homeowner. Mm -hmm. So it shouldn't come as any surprise that homeowners are prioritized uh, when it comes to city policy. Um, what is there anything that you would like to do with regards to renters' rights? Renters are people too. And I truly believe that I'm a renter. I'm a long-term renter. I'm not what what my opponent would probably say is, oh, he's just a renter, so he doesn't know what it's like to own stake in your in your land. But I'm paying property or I'm paying property taxes through my rent to my landlord. Right? So I have ownership in this city too. We all have ownership in this city when we rent. And I think that renters, I have met so many renters who have said, oh, I'm not registered to vote because I'm renting. It doesn't matter. You too have rights. You too are paying property taxes. You too are helping this city grow. You too are making the city an interesting, lively place to live. So we need to focus on renters' rights as well. And so there's a few things that I've been thinking about uh, regarding renters' rights. So things like, um, one thing that I've heard from a lot of renters in the city is that landlords just forget about them. Yeah. They don't take care of the homes. They let the dryer be broken forever. They don't fix the outside of their house because they're not living in Lansing. They're living in California. I mean, yeah. no offense to my landlord who lives in California. He also <laughs> has family in Lansing, so that's good. But, you know, they're living in California. They're living outside of the city. They're not experiencing at home. All they need to do is get an inspection once a year. Yeah. And you know what we don't have the right to do? We don't have the right to call an inspector into our home. And if we do, it's inspecting very crucial things. So they're making sure that the water works. They're making sure that the heat works. They're making sure that, you know, there's no mold growing anywhere. What we need to be able to do as renters is have the ability to call a group and say, our landlord is failing to take care of our home. 
and we need some intervention there. I don't know what that intervention looks like yet. I, I haven't done enough research about it to be able to say, you know, what other cities have really done. But I think that making sure that we have a say in these things and that we real that we realize that we too have rights to live comfortably, to leave, live without discrimination, to live in safe neighborhoods. And we want those things. And right. I think that that's... I think that that is probably not the best answer that you wanted, but, you know, it, it's what I've been thinking about. So. Sure. Yeah. Everyone in Lansing, not everyone, a lot of renters in Lansing, they complain about the slumlords. And there's um, there's a lot of problems with trying to find um, affordable housing that we can go to and say, okay, if we go here and there's mice, um, are we going to be able to get swift you know, a swift reaction from our landlord. Is he going to come in? Is he going to take care of this? Um, I think it, a lot of it comes down to is we need more accessibility to renters, to young people. Um, there needs to be more accessibility to what those rights are. I don't think people really know where they can find, especially like Lansing specific and Michigan specific um, rights that we have as renters in the city. I think that if we make that um, more common knowledge, um, that's going to be a big step. We have to know what we are entitled to as renters, as people who are giving these, you know, these landlords money. We des like you said, we deserve these modicums of respect from those people. So. And th there's there's another way to think about this too. If the outside of a rental home is dilapidated, if there's trash on the front of the on the lawn and stuff, do you know who gets fined for that? It's not the renter; it's the landlord. Why don't we have it so landlords also need to take care of the insides of homes? Because you're renting this home, you're living in this home, but you, as part of your rent, you're paying for the ability to have something repaired for you. That's the reason I'm still a renter. I don't know how to fix a house. <laughs> I mean, I could probably figure it out. It would cost me a lot of money. Right. I'd rather just pay 900 bucks a month and have somebody come repair it for me, right? That's the reason we rent. And so, and I, I also, to your point, Allie, I really do believe that we just need to be educated about these things in a lot of ways. I think that what DSA has been talking about is going out and creating pamphlets for renters' rights yeah. so that people really what your rights are under state law, under federal law, under local law. And it's one of those things, too. Um, it's really smart of the DSA to do, because if you hand out pamphlets to people, they're going to end up in the same drawer that, like, Chen's takeout and <laughs> Cottage Inn flyers come in, so that if, they, if those problems arise, those people at least have it on hand. You know, mm -hmm. like, oh, shit, this just happened. Don't worry. I've got a pamphlet that they've handed out. I know my rights. Even just having that in the drawer, in the spice cabinet, that's where I keep mine. You know, just to have that there, it's really important. on the magneted on the fridge. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll tell you what. I have had problem landlords in the past. And it was really hard to Google the law to make yes. sure that they knew what was going on. I had signed this contract, and it was 30 pages long. There was no requirement for them on how long that agreement was. And it's filled with and jargon. it's filled with jargon. You need a lawyer. You're, you know, all of these things. And... I mean, why aren't we just teaching people what the rights are? It's it's because we're so focused on homeowners. And homeowners are definitely important. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I really appreciate people who live in here, who invest in this community, who invest in their homes. I think that they are really important to this community, too. Yeah. So I, I think that we all just need to come together as a community. I think that we need to kill the stigma of, oh, renters are just here to, you know, burn couches on their lawn and drink a whole bunch of beer and smoke a whole bunch of weed and all that. Because we're doing that, yeah. but also we're yeah. still really important parts yeah. of this community. Yeah. And, and homeowners see... can do that, too. Yeah, yeah I mean... homeowners absolutely do that, too. Have you seen the North Side lately? <laughs> yeah, no, I think, yeah, it'll be interesting. I know my, you know, my mom's a, home, a homeowner, and all of her children are renters. We all rent if it's apartments, if it's duplex, we are renting. Um, but we're here. And like you said, we like pay our taxes. And my brother has a problem landlord right now. And 
it got to the point where he's just so exasperated and he's, you know, you know, he's not overworked, but he's a working young kid. And he's just like, I don't have the energy. This last winter, he basically spent half the time living at my mom's house because the heat was out and they were getting it fixed for two months. What was the holdup? Then there were mice. Okay, I keep finding mice in my apartment. You told me that you brought someone in here to get it fixed, and then he's on hold for forever, and then the line disconnects. It, it was just easier for him to go back and do that. And, you know, we've had we had a problem landlord in the past where we had the lease, and it's five pages, and we've, un, you know, unstapled it, and we've got it spread across, and we've got the laptop open, and we're trying to fact check it, you know, from what we've got from Google against what's in our lease and what our rights are. It should not be that fucking complicated. I am not a lawyer. I'm not an attorney. I do not have the skill set to kind of go through and, and figure out what my rights are um, when I'm trying to get someone to um, salt our driveway during the polar vortex because I'm pregnant. It shouldn't be that hard. I... One thing that I've heard homeowners say about renters is that when there's a renter next door, that decreases your housing values, decreases the amount of property taxes you're going to collect in the city and things like that. But I see it a little bit differently. Who are the renters of our society right now? They're all millennials. Mm -hmm. And who are going to be the next people who are trying to buy homes? It's going to be us. And... If we have a bad renting experience in Lansing, are we going to want to stay in Lansing? No. Right? Probably not. Right. If you have a bad renting experience in Lansing, you've got a bad vision of Lansing, you think Lansing is this terrible place, boom, you move out of here. So why not invest in tenants here and say, we want you to have the best experiences you can renting here because we hope that you will choose to buy a home, to purchase a home, even to have other people rent out of, you know, what, whatever that is, whatever that looks like, we want you to be invested in this community. And I believe that even as a renter, I'm invested in this community. I like this community. I'm having a good experience. I want every renter to have a good experience here. And I think that in terms, and I think that means educating. And I think that means making sure that tenants know know their rights yeah agreed now i have uh i have a couple questions for you about um, elections uh what are your thoughts on ranked choice voting i think that ranked choice voting is amazing i think that it works i think that what what's interesting about ranked choice voting at a city level because i've thought about this a lot is it gives more opportunity to people who, I mean, because city elections are nonpartisan, right? Mm -hmm. And so the question is, what does it mean? Because you don't have a D or an R or, you know, a G next to your name. I'm giving props to the Green Party, not the Libertarians. <laughs> um, so, or I guess an L if you're a Libertarian. We like you too. Um, just, not your just not your policies. We like, we like people, not policies, right? Right. Hate the game, not the players. Is that how it's said? Love the sinner, hate the sin. Yeah, okay, let's, let's do that. So, um, so I like ranked choice voting because it gives us the option to vote for a first option and a second option and a third option. And it allows for, I truly believe that it makes the process more democratic. Mm -hmm. It gives us the option to, you know, choose who we might like the most, but then decide on who we want second. And if that first person doesn't get the plurality of votes, or is it the majority? I don't remember if that person doesn't get the majority of votes, then great, we can, we can go on to the next round and we can, and our say still matters at that point. Right. And then you can also vote for people who you don't necessarily think are electable or, I mean, not, not, sorry, not electable is the wrong word. Somebody's not going to win. So for example, in, in a city council race, you might think that there's two, two head people and you really like the third person. Well, ranked choice voting allows you an opportunity to vote for that third person and they might actually win. And I think that that opportunity is important to me. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, now there was one other question that I had regarding elections, which is, um, so four of our city council members, um, three of them being elected at large and our mayor all live in the fourth ward. I don't know if you knew that or not. 
Um, yes. So we have we have a council that is uh, not quite as representative of the city as we would like it to be. And one one remedy that I've heard suggested is that rather than having uh, for so so the way that it's set up right now uh, for those listening who don't know uh, the city council consists of eight elected members four of them are are elected one each from from each of Lansing's four quadrants uh, or wards as they're called the other four members of the council are elected at large uh, by the entire city so there is a there's an idea that was brought up to me uh, where instead of having at large members elected by the entire city we just break the city up into more wards. Uh, what do you think about that idea? Or do you have any other ideas to make the council more, or, you know, our city government more representative of the people who live here? My initial thought on that, I, I haven't actually thought about this very much, but that's that's a really interesting question. My first initial thought is I'm not so worried about at-large members as long as they're pushing the right policies. And I feel like what's nice about an at-large uh, run is that it it tends to represent more of the city than if you were to just pocket uh, and and make more wards. But then again, one of the reasons why I'm running in the first ward, not at large, is because I want to represent my ward. I right, want to represent right. where I live. I don't, and I also don't want to raise 70, 80, 90 grand and focus on all that money. I mean, Peter Spadafore raised, you know, 70, 80 grand for his race, right? It's an insane amount. That's, yeah. that's crazy. That's how much uh, people running for state house raise, you know? That's, <laughs> yeah. that's crazy to me. And you can't knock all of your doors. You can't get to know everybody in your community and so it predisposes people who are more wealthy it predisposes people who are white it predisposes yep. I, I mean again i don't want to speak terribly about our current city council or most of our current city council members because <laughs> because some of them are are truly focused on issues that i want to be able to work with them on mm -hmm. so I, I i wouldn't want to say you know oh yeah we need to get rid of our at-large members because a couple of them i think that i can work with when i get on city council and i've already been sitting down and talking with these council members say where can you and i you know uh combine forces to, you know, uh, Brian Jackson, for example, really loves the environment, really cares about the environment. You know, Peter Spadafore also has a lot of really interesting progressive thing. I mean, he's, he's a moderate, but he also has some progressive ideas. And I, those are the types of people who I need to be working with. Right. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I can't, I can't, you know, discount who they are and the fact that they're at large, but you know, to me, I'm running in the first ward because I want to represent the people on my end of town. And I think that if we had eight people who were all representing their ends of town, it might be an interesting way to run a city. Yeah, I've never actually heard this proposed before. It's really interesting because, like, even while we're talking about it, I'm like, yes, this is a good point. But this is also a good point. It's like that Larry David meme where he's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's also good. Yeah, because, like you said, you're running in first ward because you are first ward focused. And I think that, you know, when you think of the east side, it's completely different from if you consider um, the north side of Lansing from, like, Oakland, um, like Oakland and Pennsylvania to like Turner and Sheridan. This is like a whole, that, that is such a unique community, um, that I feel like a, a lot of those issues, uh, in those communities, they kind of go overlooked. I would love to see, um, people who are like very North side centric and then maybe North side, like the Willow area, Willow and like North MLK area. That's also an incredibly different type of of neighborhood you know closer getting closer to delta and to the west side so it is really interesting that that would be a proposition that there would be um just eight wards so that it was it's almost like you know spread uh, m more evenly distributed i i do have to say i like the fact that i believe it or not i don't really think that 
my current representative in the first ward is representing me. Yeah, no. And b believe it or not, I'm running against her. So <laughs> um, one thing that I like is if there's an essential city service that I need taken care of, I don't have to go to Jody Washington. I can call up Peter Spatterford today and say, oh, hey, there's some flooding on my street. Could Who do I need to contact for that? Or I can call uh, Pat, Spitz, uh, Pat Spitzley. Or I can, you know, I can call all these people and say, hey, this is going on. And they also represent me. So they're also able to help me in yeah. these auxiliary ways which is which is really nice to me but again i do see why an eight ward with or eight wards would be really interesting i i also feel like i want to represent a more diverse group of people and if i were only representing the east side the east side is 78 percent white it's um you know mostly middle income people i mean there's there's low income people south of south of kalamazoo and things like that um people like that which is which is good i like income i like to be able to represent different people of different incomes and things like class that class diversity class yeah. diversity that's very important to me and racial diversity is important too because what would happen if we had the east side and grosbeck as one ward well yeah. the person coming to that would definitely be a white male yeah. right if you have and that is and i think that they wouldn't represent the needs of more people and so this is going into the question of you know how much how much focused representation do we want on like one group of people in one neighborhood mm -hmm. because i don't necessarily think that a representative who only represents Grossback is going to represent the everybody in the city as much as somebody who is trying to represent the entire east side that includes the north side that includes part of old town that includes rio town that includes the east side that includes everything south of michigan is still on the east side but you know all all of these places that i am challenged to represent and i need to represent all of those people and figuring that out i think is really important to me so i i like that i have this entire ward to be thinking about as opposed to just gross back or as opposed to just the east side or just north town or something like that so what a balanced and well-reasoned take <laughs> thank you i'm impressed <laughs> fuck you <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brandon. So now we're going to be moving into the hardball questions here. We're going to be playing uh, a game called Over Under. We're going to throw a we're going to throw a thing at you, a topic, a name, and you have to tell us whether this thing is overrated or underrated. Okay. This okay. is going to be the most important part of the of the show for your constituents. This is <clears throat> this is to make it or break it. All right, here we go. Okay, number one, bananas. Underrated. Absolutely. Do I have to give an answer of why? You don't have to. You, okay. you, don't have you want, to. you, you can do a short to. one. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're, they're banana bread. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. And you can eat them. Yes. Do you guys <laughs> yeah. know how to peel a banana correctly? From the bottom. From the bottom. Like yeah. a monkey. Like a monkey. Yeah. <laughs> monkeys know how to do this. When I learned that a couple years ago, it changed my life. <laughs> Once we start eating them from the bottom like monkeys, then our feet and tails will grow and they'll be prehensile. I've been wanting a tail for a long time. <laughs> okay. Okay. Overrated or underrated? Cardi B. Overrated. Oh, get out. <laughs> I, I think I think that all of the stuff that's coming out in the news about her right now, people are paying way too much attention to. I think that she is a talented artist, and I'm really glad that she is in the spotlight. Um, but, yeah, she's overrated. Okay. I Over, hate you. <laughs> overrated or underrated? Uh, uh, Jeopardy, the game show. Underrated. I think that us millennials do not appreciate Jeopardy enough. Yeah. Well, who's the, who's the host? Uh, is it Alex, Alex Trebek. Trebek? Yeah. Yep. Okay. God love him. All right. Uh, overrated or underrated? Game of Thrones. Underrated. Underrated. Only because of only because of my personal perception of that show, I really, okay. really like it. <laughs> I think that I think that they did a good job. But when I first started watching, and and I heard all the hype. Here's the deal: I heard all this hype before I started watching it for like three years, and then I started watching it, and then I had all the hype. But I was like that kid in school who watched the movie a week late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was the same exact yeah. day. I feel for you so much. No, for real. I I didn't I didn't actually start watching the show until like like early last year um okay so uh overrated or underrated country music well in lansing I, 
It's overrated. Overrated. Everywhere, <laughs> everywhere, country music is overrated. I think. Tell the people down at Duke's that. <laughs> so I, I do have to say, I grew up Just lost on the, the country bar <laughs> So, so, well, you heard Tequila Cowboys closing, right? I mean, yeah. that's a tragedy. I grew up on '90s. I grew up on '90s country music. So, uh, until I found rock music, and then I think rock music is also overrated now. So, I mean, you know, I, I have particular taste. R&B has been my new favorite type of music for Damn the last music. Like, six months. Yeah. Damn, Very cool. Yep. All right, so overrated or underrated? Gordon Ramsay. Overrated. Agreed. I'm That's sure fair. that he cooks fine, but I haven't eaten his food, and I don't like watching <laughs> him on television. So, <laughs> All right. Uh, ferrets as pets. Underrated. No, I don't like them. I don't like them, but I think that all animals deserve a good home, including ferrets. Oh, that's, that's just so fucking wholesome. I, I do think that someone, they smell bad. Someone tell PETA. They do smell They smell awful. They're horrible. Yeah. Do you think <laughs> and they PETA eat children's some money? Do you think that I could get donations from PETA if I sent them that in an email? You don't want support from PETA. No. Yeah, no. That's terrible. like a blue check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and lastly, overrated or underrated, Brandon, the Mueller Report. Ooh, <laughs> overrated for sure. Correct take. Well done. Well done. Good yeah. job, Brandon. Yeah, we agree. C city politics are more important than the Mueller report. <laughs> also agreed. <Yeah. laughs> Fucking also agreed. Vote in your city elections. I mean, get Donald Trump out too, but city elections are this year. Just so. vote. Yeah, that's the takeaway. Vote, eat bananas, listen to Cardi B. Yes, that's right. Please do. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think we're out of time now, but uh, thank you, Brandon, so much for joining us. It's been a lot of fun. Of course. I really enjoy it. Uh, for those of you who are uh, still listening to this, uh, <laughs> uh, thank you so much for, for uh, being with us. And. Uh, checking out the show. Uh, if you want, you can find us on Facebook at Michigan Progressive. Uh, if you like our show and uh, you want to help support us financially, you can do so at patreon.com slash Michigan Progressive. Uh, if you get your podcasts on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever it's called, uh, you can rate and review us there. Please do that because it helps other people find our show. Um, I'm Benjamin Kwan. Ali Gonzalez. I'm Brandon Betts. Thanks very much. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.